0: It's summertime, so that means that unless you're taking like five summer classes, interning for 40 hours a week, you've probably got some free time on your hands. And if you've got some free time on your hands, why not make a little extra money?
1: The reason I started flipping trading cards was because it allowed me to work on my other hobbies. I love making TikToks, I love making YouTube videos, but it's hard to do that working 40 hours a week and going to school.
0: Look, making money is great, but just like what Noah was talking about, saving time is honestly even better. Especially because during the summer, you're more likely to do more things with your friends, your family, vacations, and everything like that. So if you have more time, you get to have more fun. We'll learn a little bit more about the sports trading card industry in a little bit from Noah. But that's why I want to introduce you to Nolan. Because you might be looking at sports trading cards and be like, I don't really like sports. So what Nolan does is he's a junior at the University of Oregon. And during the summer, as well as during the year, he does this business.
2: What I really like about pressure washing is that it's super flexible. I own the business so I can make as much as most people do in five days in three days. And then I can enjoy the rest of the week, you know, spending time with friends, getting the most out of my summers and, you know, taking road trips and things like that.
0: Like how many times have you tried to ask one of your boys to hang out and then they're just like, nah, I can't. I've got work until like nine today. That's one of the biggest problems with a lot of the jobs that you can probably get while you're in high school or college. Usually, it's like working at a fast food place, working as a server or bartender. These hours typically suck. So when you're able to make your own schedule, you can schedule it around the things that you actually want to do. So rather than working, you can hang out with your friends. Now, the sports trading card industry has absolutely exploded over the past couple of years. Honestly, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I do know that people are making money off of it. But let's see how much money people are actually making from it.
1: But my biggest profit comes from reselling trading cards, which I weigh at stores like Target and Walmart, pick up trading cards that are valuable and then resell them on eBay for about $1,500 every single month.
0: Now, $1,500 isn't going to buy you a Lamborghini or a house or anything like that. But I think what's really important here is the actual amount of time that is spent during all of this. Like to put it into perspective, let's say you're working at McDonald's and I think they pay about $11 per hour, at least down in Florida. And if you did $1,500 divided by 11, that means you still have to work 136 hours. Now, 136 hours a month doesn't necessarily seem like a whole bunch, but when you divide that number by four for the amount of weeks in a month, you get 34 hours a week that you would have to work. Most people only work 40 hours a week, so this is a lot of time. Now, I didn't ask Noah how much time it takes him to like resell things, put things up on eBay, wait at Target, all these different sort of things, but I would assume it probably takes him about 20 hours a week. If that's the case, and honestly, I can see it being a lot less than 20 hours a week, he's making about 18, almost $19 an hour. But then you're probably thinking, it can't be that easy, right?
1: I started making money from trading cards about three months ago when I realized that you could literally pick up the cards for $20 a box, let's say, on the store, and then resell them on eBay for like $200 depending on the box. Your upfront costs are going to be minimal. Just transportation to the stores. So if you have a car already, all you're worried about is gas. And then also actually buying the boxes. Usually they range from anywhere from 20 bucks to 50 bucks on the high end. I personally sell all my boxes out of eBay. But they take their cut from the final value of the sale. So you don't have to pay them at all.
0: Obviously, it's not as simple as just buying something and listing it back on the internet. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. But you have to do a little due diligence. But if you think about it, the amount of time doing that versus working at Burger King or whatever it may be, like especially if you're a sports fan and you're already watching these games and understanding these players values, why not profit off of the time and effort that you're already spending on it?
1: I can definitely relate to students who don't want to grab a 40 hour a week job at let's say Burger King or Panda Express and they want to do something on the side that can also make them money but also give them the freedom to hang out with their friends or do something that they're passionate about. I would definitely recommend this hobby or any other hobbies that allow you to have a flexible schedule and still allow you to work on things that you're passionate about. I don't necessarily love the idea of going to Target early in the morning, picking up boxes of cards and listing them on eBay, but it allows me to work on my other hobbies that I'm more passionate about.
0: Now what if you don't like sports? Don't worry, there are a bunch of different side hustles out there. I mean, we heard earlier a little bit about the pressure washer side hustle, and don't worry, we'll dive deeper into that with Nolan later. But first, for all of my creatives, I wanted to introduce you to Erin. She goes to Grand Canyon University, and her side hustle is all about photography.
3: I started making money from photography in ninth grade, so... Back then, I was only charging like twenty dollars for a photo shoot, but now I have my own website. I've made my own business out of it. I upload YouTube videos about photography. I start at two fifty. I offer packages and just different add-ons to photo shoots, but I go from two fifty up to however high it may go. I do take photos of weddings, so that can give a very big range. For example.
0: So I did a little research and just to see how much a wedding photographer might cost. And online, it says about $1,000 to $10,000, depending on the photographer. Now, considering that weddings typically last four to five hours, you're looking at almost $200 per hour, which is insane. Now, of course, you've got to add in editing and everything like that. So let's just even bump that up to 10 hours long. Like you're still looking at $100 per hour so if you got a little creative side to you how do you learn more about this space
3: i started to learn about this space and how to make money by other youtubers i watched a lot of youtube videos on this photography space and how to make money And definitely watching YouTube videos is what helped me. I would watch a lot of YouTubers talk about how to price your photography, how to market your photography, and that is definitely what helped me grow my business and what helped me get clients. Some of those YouTubers that I watched are Jessica Whittaker, Jessica Kobasi, she's my favorite photographer, and Peter McKinnon.
0: YouTube, 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 literally like I don't care who you are, what you do or what you're looking to get into. YouTube probably has the answer to it. Like it's insane. Our parents used to have to go to the library and actually look up books to learn these things while we have the Internet. And the crazier thing is if you start to find like smaller and up and coming YouTubers, they literally walk you through the journey and all the mistakes that they're going through right now. So while we can't share all the cheat codes to things like wedding photography, sports trading cards, anything like that, there are YouTubers that are literally documenting every single thing that they do, and you can learn from all of that. But all right, let's talk about pressure washing, because honestly, like I'm thinking about it right now, it seems like it might be expensive to kind of start up.
2: So I started by borrowing my neighbor's machine and doing one or two jobs, which is a great strategy because you don't want to buy all your equipment and then realize that you don't like pressure washing.
0: I mean, that might be the cheat code of the episode right there. Like think about with photography and what Aaron was talking about. Maybe you just borrow your school's camera and you can start off with that. Like borrowing something to kind of get a feel of things is so easy to do and not enough people do it but it's honestly a game changer. It's just like test driving a car before you actually buy it. So if you actually wanted to jump into the pressure washing space, how much realistically would it cost?
2: And after that, I went out and bought my entire own equipment set. So what I bought was, I spent $120 on a Honda XR2750. So just a really affordable but reliable residential pressure washing machine. Then I spent $30 on a turbo nozzle, which goes in the tip of the wand. Then I spent $50 on a non-kick hose. Then I spent $20 on a push broom to clean up after I'm done. And then $15 on a gas can, which obviously is a necessity. So in total, I only spent $235 for my entire equipment setup to begin. And um, very affordable, All right now I'm making around 40 to 50 bucks an hour, so you can easily make that back in a day
0: five hours a day, 50 bucks each hour. That's about 250 bucks every single day. Multiply that by five and you got 1250 Multiply that by four and you're at five grand a month. Five grand a month times 12 months in a year and that's $60,000. Of course, pressure washing is not necessarily something that is super easy, but I can assure you that there are a bunch of college graduates that I know that would love 60K a year right now. So where can you learn more about this space?
2: In terms of, you know, where I learned about everything I need to know for this side hustle, I started in the sixth grade and I was basically self-taught. And I think there's a lot to be said for learning by, by you know trial and error and just by doing. You know, you can watch as, as many YouTube videos as you want, but at the end of the day, going out for a full day, knocking on people's doors and doing your first job, that's where you're going to learn the most. With that being said, I, I think there is a lot of value in finding a mentor as well. So I found a mentor who's really helped me in my business. Uh, more recently, I I have watched some YouTube videos about pressure washing to try to improve my business. And there's no harm done in doing that. So absolutely do that. A couple channels I like uh, on YouTube are Upflip and then Forever Self-Employed. Those are some great channels. But I've also talked about my experience on my own channel, The College Hustle.
0: So we'll be linking everyone's YouTube channel, TikTok page and everything like that in the show notes. But I wanted to end this episode with a few pieces of advice from each of our guests today. And the reason for that is no matter what you choose to do, there's going to become a point where the grind honestly it gets tough and you're going to have to push through that. So the advice here is what to do when you sort of hit that breaking point.
2: I would just say to you that that happens all the time. It's happened to me and it's really hard to avoid, but one piece of advice that I would give you is to set really specific goals. Whenever I set a goal, I'm so much more motivated and I work so much harder, you know, in growing that business. So set a goal, you know, whether it's make $8,000 in your first summer doing it or uh, five jobs in your first week trying to get new business and then write that goal down and put it somewhere really visible so tape it to your bathroom mirror and you're going to wake up every morning look at that be reminded you're going to want to work hard to make that goal come true and I promise you the day that you achieve that goal is going to be the best day in the world it's going to feel so awesome to have set that goal months in advance and to have worked hard towards it and actually have done it a lot of people can't say you know that's a lot of people can't say that for themselves
3: if you ever begin to lose motivation just know that's totally okay and that you can always take a break like press pause and then come back to what you're doing because i know that for me and photography i've definitely had more photo shoots and then i've had times where i wasn't shooting at all for months i'm currently in one of those phases right now actually i haven't done a photo shoot in a very long time but I know that photography will always be a passion of mine, it will never go away, and I don't do it for the money. So that's a very easy way for me to become re-inspired and to become motivated again. I just remember why I love it, and I also do remember that it does bring me money, which is always nice to have on the side.
1: If you're looking to make money but you find yourself losing motivation, you gotta look at the bigger picture. For instance, my TikTok channel grew from 0 to 75,000 followers, but that didn't happen overnight. I actually made videos that I was genuinely interested in and the following came naturally. If you're grinding a job full time and working on a side hustle while in school, I know it can be difficult, but just remember that this is only temporary and if you build up that side hustle or those other streams of income, you can reduce the hours that you're actually grinding on a job. I know it might not seem like you're making any progress now, but every step you take is truly an advancement to your future. You gotta think about the long run and not the short term. Remember that I'm not anybody special and you can definitely do this too.
0: Look, all because these are cheat codes and side hustles, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to come easy and no matter what you do, it's going to require some sort of hard work. Saying that, not all hard work is treated equally and for me, I've always tried to find ways that no matter what work I'm doing, I'm either getting paid the most or is making the most impact. So that's my challenge to you. If you're out there and you're listening to this episode, is what you're doing the most that you could be doing with your time right now? Whether it's from a monetary standpoint or an impact standpoint, that's up to you. But all I know is optimize whatever it is that you do choose. Well, that's about it.
1: I'm out.